This is New England Patriots running back and three-time Super Bowl champion James White. You're listening to the Two Minute Drill. What's up, guys? Welcome to a special episode of the Two Minute Drill podcast. Um, you know, haven't been able to keep up with it as much as we would have liked this season. With the way that this season has ended and all of the events of the past week or so, you know, we felt like we had to call essentially an emergency podcast and get a preview of this Patriots offseason because it's a big one. It's a big one. A lot of stuff has already happened, but I mean, really no better place to start than our head coach of 24 years, Bill Belichick, greatest coach in NFL history. Kev, he is gone. What do we think? So this is, you know, obviously devastating. Um, I think this hurt more than Brady, in my honest opinion, just because, like, we kind of had a feeling that Brady was going to go in 19 after that, like, horrific uh, season. And then, like, Belichick, you just never thought they would part ways. You thought that he'd finish out that the end of his uh, two-year contract extension that they had discussed. Uh, but after going 4-13 and 13 and, like, seeing what's come out now, devastating it's sad you know obviously want to thank bill for everything that he's done the last 24 years and now it's going to be interesting to see what mayo does and you know it's exciting uh because you like actually we're going to be able to find out information now like we're actually going to be like i feel like let in on like team news and like have a head coach that has a personality it's going to be so weird but i think it's about time we did this honestly i mean for like a change especially after going four and 13 yeah i mean it's tough like he was going to leave eventually. I'll push back a little there. For me personally, Brady leaving uh, was worse because I just did not think it would happen. Bill, it was, you know, we kind of could see the writing on the wall. And I think that everybody was like, yeah, you got to fire him. You got to get rid of him. And then once the season actually ended, like, you know, we picked up a couple wins late, cap space, got a nice draft pick. Everybody kind of started talking themselves back into like, ah, well, you know, you can hire a GM, like, this can still work. He's probably going to stay. And then, bam, he gets fired. Um, and I think that mostly, and Kraft talked about this a little bit in his press conference, I think it was just mostly because there really was no way to take that, like, personnel control from Bill, but also keep him around. Like, it just – it would have been so messy, and there would have been a lot of weird dynamics going on in that front office, and I just don't – Kraft said he didn't think it would work, and, you know, we kind of have to trust that. As for, you know, Mayo being the guy, it's definitely interesting. Like, he's a very good candidate. I don't think he's a bad hire at all, but obviously it's the fact that we wrote it into his contract before this season even started that he would be Bill's replacement in 2024. Because of that, uh, you know, the announcement comes that Bill got fired or, you know, mutually parting of ways, whatever you want to call it. Within 24 hours, Gerard Mayo is the head coach. Zero interviews yeah, to other candidates. Like, that's – didn't – yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, didn't you think that uh, that was, like, a little harsh? Or, like, 24 hours after they, like, let Bill go or whatever and they have the press conference and, like, 24 hours later, like, Gerard Mayo is the head coach? I don't, I don't think it was harsh just because, I mean, again, if you, like, wrote it into the contract, Bill must have been operating this entire season – like, yeah, you know, Gerard is going to take over for me, whether it's this year, it's next year or whatever. Like, I feel like if they had hired someone else, it would almost be a little bit more disrespectful. But like Mayo seems like he was the Belichick approved successor. 
and that's why the hire came so quickly. I also think that it might have been a little bit of the Patriots, like, you know, Crafty just made a really big decision. He just fired Bill Belichick. You know, we let Brady go, and it's gone terribly for us since then. Of course, you have a lot of Patriots fans pushing back, so as quickly as possible, you want to get that new guy in there so that the narrative changes from, like, why'd you let Bill go to, you know, how's Gerard Mayo going to do as our head coach? But I just felt like, you know, and again, um, I'm on board with the Gerard Mayo hire. I think he's a great candidate. I like that, you know, Bill likely was preparing him to take over this season. If they had that stuff written out and as bad as the season was going, Bill must've seen the writing on the wall at some point. Um, With that being said though, I just think Mike Rabel, was like a home run candidate. I mean, he's coach of the year a few years ago. We know he's got the NFL experience. I think he would have came right in and still provided, you know, still would have been like the Patriot way and everything, but there definitely would have been a culture change there that we still will get with Mayo, but it's just a little riskier because obviously first year head coach, we don't really know what we're getting into. See when Brable um, got fired from Tennessee, I thought right away, I was like, all right, Bill's done, and they're going to go for Vrabel. It just seemed like, like you said, it was a home run hit, and it seemed like a perfect move. But then, obviously, uh, we found out that Thursday night that the succession plan that crafted then into the league. So, like, I don't think they had a choice, honestly. Like, they made this decision last year. So, I don't think there was, like you said, brought up a couple minutes ago, there's no point to really even interview at that point just because you had – uh, Jordan Mayer already in your plans. So I have a quick question for you, right? Because mm-hmm. we're just, you know, appreciate everything Bill did. Like, you know, kudos like six uh, Super Bowl titles, you know, made it to the playoffs almost every year. But now we got to move on, right? And because we have so much that we can talk about. If you were Gerard Mayo, what are you doing? What do you think Gerard Mayo does for this team this, uh, this offseason? So I think that a huge, huge piece, and he's in a very tough spot here. Like, it's going to be tough for him to do it right because he's been left with such a mess, but the offensive staff needs to get figured out. We've had three offensive coordinators in three years. Josh McDaniels, like, honestly, he just got worse and worse as he stayed with the Patriots. You can say that's because Brady left, uh, you know, whatever. I honestly think he was just kind of running out of ideas and the offense was getting worse and, you know, It was showing. With that being said, he still did the best job out of the three, got us to the playoffs, whatever. Then you hire Matt Patricia, completely unqualified. It's a disaster. Then you bring in Bill O'Brien, but, you know, the existing offense has a terrible line. Mac regresses tremendously. You have no receivers, so he doesn't have the personnel to do it. So you've had three failures in a row at offensive coordinator, and we've had a lot of guys leaving that staff. Adrian Clem was out pretty much the entire year. He had some, you know, personal issues. I think he got sick, but even before that, he's the offensive line coach. There was stuff, I guess he, you know, confronted Matt Groh that like they didn't really bring in any help for the offensive line, which they didn't. Our big additions this off season were Riley Reef, Tyrone Wheatley and Vidarian Lau, if I'm not mistaken. And they're all pretty bad. Um, Calvin Anderson too. Calvin Anderson, but he didn't, you know, he didn't really play. So it's just like nobody that really made an impact. And then you had our wide receivers coach, I believe, Ross Douglas. He left for Syracuse, took the same job. And there was other reports that came out that 
Bill Belichick wasn't letting uh, O'Brien like hire his own coaches once he came in. So the offensive staff is a complete mess. We're going to have a new quarterback this year. And as much as I don't think Mac Jones, he, he was failed, but I don't think that's the only reason why he did so badly. And I don't think he's necessarily deserving of another chance, but you can't look at it and say, that we didn't mess up. You bring in a rookie quarterback and you give him three offensive coordinators in his first three years in the league. When has that ever been successful? So I think first and foremost, he needs to figure out his offensive staff, whether that's trying to give Bill O'Brien another year, just so he can build on, you know, whatever he was doing fine. Bringing McDaniels back. I, I don't love it, but I understand it. It's just one of those things. He needs to get that sorted out because he's a defensive coach. So he's not going to really have the input either. So what's interesting, right, is that a report came out today is that the Patriots are going to do a full search on offensive coordinator in-house and outside, which is interesting because Bill O'Brien is under contract. So I feel like that's a little weird. It felt like Bill O'Brien coming back here was a uh, – a Robert Kraft move, not a Bill Belichick move. I think Belichick wanted Matt Patricia to stay mm-hmm. because he liked the trend of where it was going. And there's been a lot of like, you know, I honestly feel like at this point that Mayo and the Krafts are basically just going to like run things very similar. But I think that it's just that like the Krafts are going to have more say in what happens and whatnot. It's why, like, you know, the divorce happened between Belichick and the Patriots solely based off that, because if you bring in Josh McDaniels and then we uh, heard the other day that the Patriots aren't looking to sign a general manager, they will never give a title out like that. I don't think the Crafts have ever had one as long as they've owned the Patriots. You're going back to like what, 94 or whenever it was. So it's weird. And now that the report is, is that Elliot Wolf and Matt Groh will like, like share the load of general manager, but it seems like Elliot Wolf will be the one that gets the final say. So if you bring in Josh McDaniels, what like what's different? The only thing that's different is that you let Bill Belichick go. And that's one thing that you had brought up the other day when we were talking and you're like, what are we doing? Because this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah, so I just, I don't like the idea of you get rid of Bill Belichick. Okay, you're deciding that Whatever he was doing, it was antiquated, and the franchise needs to move in a new direction. Fair enough. Those are That's valid. So why then you promote his defensive coordinator to head coach? You bring back his old offensive coordinator. You promote Grow and Elliot Wolf. Like You let them continue to do the GM duties that they were doing with Belichick. It's like, what is the point of getting rid of Bill Belichick? if you're just going to fill the staff with Bill Belichick guys, like you should have just kept them at that point. So yeah, that is what I was saying. I feel like we need fresh eyes somewhere. And again, like I don't think Mayo is a bad hire. That's fine. But it's just like, okay, hire a new offensive coordinator. Then maybe somebody we haven't had before or bring in a new GM, somebody from someone else's front office. so They can kind of have fresh eyes and run things a little bit differently because Everybody on the Patriots staff, all of these guys, they do things the Bill Belichick way. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. But again, why did you fire the guy if you're going to bring in all people who do things the way he does things? Yeah, it's honestly, it's really confusing. But I think one important thing, like if they do bring back McDaniels, right? Like I would be on board with it only because you know that if he's the offensive coordinator, 
he's not going to be getting a head coach job. So if you decide to take Caleb Williams or you decide to get Drake May, and we'll talk about the draft in a little bit, if you decide to get a rookie quarterback, he's going to be set because he's going to have the same guy for as long as that guy is um, a member of the Patriots. So I think that's one important piece. I think Bill O'Brien can, you know, he could take a coaching job at a college again. He could look Mm -hmm. there. He could also follow Bill Belichick to wherever he goes because it kind of seems like that may happen from what's been coming out the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. And then I just honestly think it's important too that I don't think Elliot Wolf did get that much of a say in what had happened. I think that Belichick obviously got the final say because he was both head coach and GM. And I'm actually excited to see what Elliot Wolf will do in that role. And I think one thing that's important as well is that because like you're basically, it's going to be a culture change, obviously. It's not going to be like a, a strict environment as it was. And like a lot of players in the past saying that it's not fun and it's whatever. And I think Mayo brings a lot of energy. And I think that now it's going to be more attractive for free agents to actually want to come here. And I think that they're not going to be afraid to throw money at players because Mayo had talked in the past and he's saying that as long like X's and O's and scheme, obviously that's very important. He's like, but you need to have good players. Mm-hmm. And we have not had good players since 2018. So I think that is one uh, big change with Mayo coming over uh, post to Bill Belichick. Yeah, no, and I again, I am a fan of the Mayo hire. Um, the one thing I would say there with that point you made about Elliot Wolf, um, I just feel like we know that him and Grow have been the biggest voices outside of Belichick in that front office. Obviously, I can't sit here and act like I know who does what. Really just like an anomaly with the Patriots. They don't have a GM. A lot of guys are doing a lot of things. But we can agree, Bill, Wolf, Row were probably the biggest three decision makers. Everybody takes that 2022 draft. Maybe one. I mean, I know we're only a few years into it, but it's maybe one of the worst draft classes of all time. As the 100%. years go by, it just gets worse and worse. Cole Strange, he can't stay on the field. He was a reach when we took him, and he hasn't really done anything to prove the opposite. Tyquan Thornton, like, can't stay on the field. Doesn't really like. We don't know how to use him. He's too skinny to be a boundary uh, wide receiver in the NFL, and he's not better than Demario Douglas, so he's not playing in the slot. Marcus Jones, great pick. Jack Jones, honestly not a bad pick, but you knew the guy had character issues when you took him. Now you cut him for that same reason. Chad Ryland, you took him over Puka Nakua. Like, just ridiculous. He's maybe the worst Patriots kicker of all time, so. I'm going on a tangent here, but that's just off the top of my head. Our first few rounds, Bailey Zappi's in there as well. It's a terrible, terrible draft. And everybody points at it and is like, Matt Groh. Like, this is why Matt Groh needs to leave. Look how bad this draft is. I don't know if you saw these reports that came out the other day, but essentially after the 2020 season, that first year Brady had been gone, Bill was still running things normally where he was – you know, the ultimate voice, and he was pretty much making all the draft picks, whatever, all the free agency decisions. After they had that bad year in 2020, they decided on, I think the quote was like, a more collaborative approach to the draft or whatever. So the first pick that that was going to, you know, come into play with was 2021 15th overall pick when we took Mac Jones. Bill Belichick wanted to wait and draft Davis Mills. Now, Which is ridiculous. Exactly. I'm That's sorry. crazy. That's crazy. I also remember before the draft, like 
us jokingly, like we were like, oh, we're not, we're not going to trade up for fields. We're not going to take Mac Jones. Like we're going to take Davis Mills in the third round. That's literally what Bill Belichick was going to do. So that's crazy. But it came out that he kind of got overruled by those guys where he had to go back and, you know, be like, all right, well, if we're doing this collaborative approach, I can't right away be like, no, we're not taking Mac Jones. So he kind of acquiesced and took Mac Jones. With that information, it seems like those past drafts, like 2022, you can't look at it and be like, that was Matt Grow. Like, it seems like Belichick, Wolf, Grow, like all those guys had some input on that draft. And it is horrible. It is so bad. The 2021 draft isn't much better. And then we'll see from But that's the other thing where I'm just like, I don't know that I want to see Wolf or Grow making these decisions because even if the table saying, let's draft Cole Strange at 29, we need this guy, he probably didn't have that much. Like, he must have agreed with it on some level. So what's interesting, right? So they didn't. So the 2021 draft, they had (laughs) in uh, Barmore and Stevenson. And I think what's interesting about the whole thing, too, is you you just talked about it like collaborative uh, decision making. And we're always going to have to bring this up. There's never going to be a time that we don't bring this up. I'm sorry. But as long as we're Patriots fans, we deserve to sour over this was that another report came out. And this has been talked about the last four or five years is that when obviously they took Nikhil Harry over A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel (laughs) and everyone in that scouting department loved A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel and Belichick decided to go with Nikhil Harry because he didn't think that A.J. Brown and uh, Debo were taking it seriously because they were laughing and they were like joking around and trying to have a good time. So that is why he went with Nikhil Harry and took um, Herm Edwards's take on it, which is honestly ridiculous in my opinion. If that's really true, because Gronk showed up to his draft interview, hung over his shit, and he fell asleep, and mm-hmm. they still took him and they traded up in the second round. And we're just not going to take those guys. It's like you said, it's been the drafts the last four years have been insane. When did Mac Rowe officially start? Was it 2021? Was that his first draft? It was probably after, yeah, because it would have been like right after Casario left. <clears throat> because they like the 2020 draft. Oh, no, it was. Uh, it probably was. It was 2022. That was that was his first year because we still had Ziegler before that, and then Ziegler and oh, Daniels right. left. Oh, that's together. right. That's my <clears throat> fault. Yep, that's my fault. So yeah, so it hasn't looked pretty for grow. And I think it's funny too on how like, and I'm gonna give Babs. I'm gonna shout out Babs on this one, but I'm I honestly think he's wrong 110 percent on it is that Belichick blames everything on Matt Groh. Matt Groh is like his guy that just like set him out on fire pretty much. It was just like, blame this guy. This is what he did he do does. that a couple times this year. Right? Malik Cunningham. So, so many times blamed it on Matt Groh. But it's really Bill, final say. It's Bill. And there's a report that came out that I don't know how accurate it is. I don't honestly know what to believe and not believe at this point with these reports. But apparently, Bill wanted to retain uh, Jacoby Myers. And then uh, the scouting department told him that they wanted to go Juju because of the yards after catch. And Bill wasn't a fan of it, but he just listened on it. And that one backfired as well. So I really don't know huh. what's going to happen, like how we uh, you know, move forward with Wolf. I just hope, honestly, they just let Wolf 
work it. I mean, his dad's a Hall of Famer. I think that he's, he's smart enough to know that we just need good players at this point and not reach for these insane guys at this point. Like, just get best available. Honestly, that's going to be the approach that they're going to do from now on. Yeah, exactly. And, spe- like, spend your money. Like, we did a good job of it in the 2021 offseason. But, again, it's like Juju is like failed. Our, he was our highest profile signing this past year. Right? Like, And it was a, just a straight swap of Myers pretty much. We saved like, I don't know, $5 million or something like that. So it's like it's not even like it was this big addition. Like we literally just swapped slot receivers and we made the wrong choice. But regardless, um, you know, Bill's gone. That's the thing. Again, I said throughout the season that I don't think there's a lot wrong with Bill, the head coach, outside of his inability to build an offensive staff. Like, if he goes to a team that has a good offensive coordinator, he will be fine. They will win games. It's Bill, the GM, that is just completely antiquated in his way of thinking and his way of doing things. And I don't really think it's his fault fully. I mean, he had the best quarterback of all time taking a pay cut and you could put any receivers on the field with him and he would make them good. So it's like, I do understand that he's done it that way for like 20 years where you're not spending money or high picks on the skill positions. You don't really have to worry about a quarterback. You just kind of restock the offensive line and the defense every year. And then all of a sudden, like he has to go and deal with what the rest of the NFL deals with, which is, really hard to find a good starting quarterback and then you pay the guy way too much money if he's even a little bit good so I don't know I I think that he kind of just didn't change his way of thinking once Brady left and then you know Kraft talked about it they didn't think they could make it work with him not being GM and staying on so I think ultimately it was the decision that had to be made just kind of unfortunate to see him go and I'm really not going to enjoy seeing him coach for another team because I think that's definitely going to happen this season. I think he's in a situation right now that he's not going to – so it, honestly, in my opinion, it depends on two things, right? I think that he's going to end up a cowboy. I agree. Um, that is 100% written in the wall now that they lost um, to Jordan Love. Um, that, you know, Jerry Jones is furious. I think that's a good spot. And the good thing is that I don't think Bill's going to be – you know, making the general manager moves. I don't think he's going to be getting the one getting the talent. He's just going to be there to be the coach. Um, I don't – so I think that's going to work out really well for him. I don't think he's going to have that power unless he goes to, like, Atlanta or Carolina and he needs to rebuild. Then you know he's bringing, uh, like, Josh McDaniels or Bill O'Brien and Matt Patricia. Like, if he's going to run his own ship for a couple of years, those guys are going with him. I honestly feel like it's hard for Bill to not bring those guys. And I bet you, like – um, what Bill's plan was to craft was like, yeah, whatever, I'll let them, I'll let Wolf and Grow, whoever you want, make the picks. But it's obviously, like you said, it's really uncomfortable and really hard for Bill to actually sit there and do it here. And I think that Bill's plan was to bring back just McDaniels and possibly just like keep it the same and didn't really have an actual plan to keep his job here. Yeah. So I- it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, you know, what happens for him the next couple weeks or so. Yeah, it definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with Bell. I agree. I think he's going to end up in Dallas because I think Jerry Jones is just going to look at the situation of we have a very good roster and we cannot win a playoff game. 
you know who knows how to win playoff games? Bill Belichick. And I think that's probably where they're going to go. If not him, it's going to be Vrabel. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm not going to enjoy either either one, Falcons or Cowboys. I'm not going to like Bill being the coach because I know that he's going to get them into the playoffs. And, obviously, at this point, I can't say the same for the Patriots, you know, if we're going to be there or not. But a big thing that will determine if we are there or not is how we use this number three overall pick. Kev, I've never seen us draft in the top five. I believe the last time was Bledsoe, number one yeah, overall. 1993. So, I mean, this is a big decision right here. If we get this wrong, it could really cost us. What do you think we should do at three? So I just want to go back just one second, right, on the point that you said that Mayo, you know, he has a lot on his plate and he has, like, a lot to work with, Right. But then you also look at this, like you just mentioned. <clears throat> Sorry, we like you just mentioned. We have the number three overall pick. We have we're gonna have like eighty five mil in cap space. So this is a great opportunity for Jordan Mayo to turn this ship around. And I'm gonna tell you, Dan, and I know that we see different on it, but I still think that you get Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm sorry, but there's nothing better that this team needs the number one wide receiver. And I know that it's Williams is out there and I know Drake May is out there. I get it. But if you get those guys, right, and then say like what's most likely going to happen is Pittman's probably going to get franchise tag. Mike Evans probably is going to get like 20 mil a year. Garrett probably three for 60. I don't think that the Patriots will go get a Mike Evans. You really need to have weapons before you get a quarterback in my honest opinion because a rookie quarterback that's going to come in here if they don't set up the offense well, isn't going to be able to play well. Will they win them more games than four? Absolutely, because the defense is still good. But I still think that this fan base needs a wide receiver that we've never really hit on in the draft. I mean, you can say Edelman, but Edelman was a seventh-round pick, so and he was a quarterback. We've never hit on a wide receiver in the draft, and Marvin Harrison might be the best wide receiver to be in a draft in, I don't know, since, like, what? Justin Jefferson, honestly, like I'd put him up there with that stakes, right? So definitely a better prospect than Jettas was even. That's what I was going to say, right? Like I can't think of like – It would be like A.J. Green, somebody like that, Calvin Johnson. Cal, yeah. So like that is – I think that's a guy that you have to get. And then I think that any – like not any quarterback, but I think that you can just get that guy. And then whatever quarterback you do decide to bring in, if you don't draft one – this year, you go get one next year, and then I think that's how you, you know, you start your rebuild. Yeah, so my thoughts on it essentially are <clears throat> with that top three pick, you need to get Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think Jaden Daniels should be going in the top three. Um, if we want, if we were somehow able to trade back and take him, I don't think that would happen, but. I mean, I guess I'd be okay with it. I don't think that Jaden Daniels will be successful here with, you know, what we have right now. Not a good offensive line, not really good weapons. And I don't think he's the prospect to the level of Williams where they could kind of transform things a little bit. For Marv, I agree that, you know, he is a stud prospect. Um and it would be great to finally have a certified wide receiver one here. But if you just draft him and sign some random quarterback, like 
if that quarterback isn't good, it's going to completely waste Marv and defeat the point of draft again. So we would have to make, you know, a really good decision along with that. Whereas I feel like if we were to go up or if we were lucky enough to have May fall to three, we get our guy for the next, you know, however long, 10 years, as we get a quarterback that we can really build around. And we've seen it throughout the NFL. Like we drafted Nikhil Harry in the first round, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, like they all went in the second. We were just talking about, you know, Puka Nakua had that insane game last night, fifth round pick. There's guys you can get besides Marv. None of them are as good a prospect as him, but draft that quarterback, pair him with like an AD Mitchell, top of the second round like I still think there's options out there and I feel like that's where we should go because I don't want to I don't want to see us pick in the top five again I don't want this to happen ever again so I think that we need to make the most of this opportunity go get the best player you can at the most important position go get a quarterback is Keon is a Keon Coleman yeah his name right is he first round or is he like the second round It'll, because I would a solid wide receiver. I view him as a first rounder. It, I mean, he's slipped a little bit as the season's gone on, mostly just because like other Remo Dunze and like Malik Neighbors have kind of overtaken him. Um, unless he runs like a shocking forty, and he, you know he runs like a four five, like a high four five or something, I don't see him actually dropping out of the first. So. We'll see what happens, but, I mean, he's an athletic freak, and he had a great season at Florida State. I feel like he should go in the first round. I'm going to give you my dream scenario for this team right now. Okay. I already know you're full on board. We already uh, we already talked about it, but this is for, you know, the listeners to hear this one out. So, with the third pick, take Marvin Harrison Jr., and then you trade a second. If you have to throw in a third, I would consider throwing in a third and then hope that the Chicago Bears are going to draft Caleb Williams, and then you go get Justin Fields, and then you have a wide receiver one, and then you have a quarterback that isn't going to get, you know, a super high contract because of what happened with Chicago. Um, You can get a decent value there for Fields, and then Fields is a really good – I think Fields is so underrated. Um, We officially got D.J. Moore, and D.J. Moore had over 1,000 yards Fields playmaking ability on the field running as well would change that dynamic for the offense. And I think if you pair Fields and Marvin Harrison Jr., you're going to be set for the next 10 years. Yeah, I mean, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. I don't think the Bears are going to take Caleb Williams, but even go as far as trade our 2025 first for him. The only thing that I can see people kind of pushing back with that is he's in kind of a tough point in his contract. You've got the fifth-year option, so it's not like he's going to be a free agent. But pretty much he'll have one season in New England or wherever he goes, and then you got to decide if you want to extend them. So it's, you know, you're taking the risk that it's like, are we going to be able to figure out how good this guy is within a year? And then on top of that, you know, we gave up a lot for him. If he's not good and we don't extend him, like this trade, you pretty much have to extend him. So that's where it gets a little bit tough, but I agree, man. I mean, if we could get Justin Fields and pair him with Marvin Harrison Jr., that totally transforms this offense. And then there you go. You have two guys 
that you can really build around long-term quarterback, long-term receiver. I just don't love the idea of if we drafted Marv and signed like, I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we wouldn't do it because Bill's not here anymore, but I was going to say bring in like Garoppolo for a year or something. Oh, uh, like dude, I can, you can't. Oh my God. Yeah. But it's like, imagine it's like, what's the point of taking Marv then? He'd get ruined. He wouldn't even be like, he wouldn't be Marvin Harrison. He just wouldn't. Yeah, but, but here's the thing though, right? <laughs> and you're going to, I know you're going to just probably want to end the pod after I say this, <laughs> but is there, do you have any like feeling that the Patriots will have Mac Jones start next year? Because Mac Jones is a Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft loves Mac Jones. I, and that there there's is... reports that um, Robert Kraft had to, you know, meet with Mac Jones regularly to make sure he was in check. And that, like you said, they failed him. And there's reports that they just told him to chuck it deep. And if they bring back in Josh McDaniels, it worked in 2021. Do you think there's any chance that Mac Jones is the starting quarterback next year? Here's what I'll say on this, because I have seen the same stuff. Being an NFL starting quarterback is hard. You are the entire franchise, the pressure of every single loss, every turnover, whatever. Like the spotlight is on you. It is the most high pressure job in sports. No doubt. Being an NFL starting quarterback. With that being said, it's not for everybody. Not everybody can handle that pressure. And I truly believe that Mac Jones can't handle that pressure. We saw him come in this year. And again, I know there's these reports about, you know, the coaching was flawed and whatever, but just simply put cut and dry things got tough and he absolutely wilted. He became the worst version of him we have ever seen by far. Like it's one thing if we just went on a losing streak, he couldn't ever, the guy was unplayable. Like it was in how many times did he get benched this year? Five. <laughs> the Saints, the Saints game. I'm sorry, Dude, the but when Saints you... <laughs> game, the Dallas game. Like it was just oh my! Like every time I remember, even the Saints game. Like I was like, okay, Dallas was just like a disaster. Everything went wrong. Like Judon and Gonzalez. Like it was just a freak game. Like move on from that. Whatever. He threw a pick six on like the first play of the game, and I was just like, okay, that's it. Yeah, it's tough. Honestly, it really is. I wouldn't be surprised if they did let him, you know, be the starting quarterback. I don't think oh, Mac's going to go. Because, I know. I agree 110%. But if you do go get like a, like Marvin Harrison Jr. or what, I'm glad. Honestly, I can't say I'm glad because I'm like, no, I am going to say I'm glad. Bill has nothing to do with this draft. Because you know that at number three, if we had Belichick, that he would highly consider taking Joe Alt. Which, yeah. again, I think Joe Alt is a great tackle, and I think he's going to be tremendous. Uh, but this is not what that team needs. But I think Bill would really consider it. But I can, if like they don't go with a May or they don't go with a Williams, and like say someone trades up, like Atlanta might trade up, and like they, teams might jump up in front of the Patriots to take those two quarterbacks. Then it's like, then what do you do? Because you're not going to want to take, like you said, Jaden Daniels at three. Yeah. Like so, you, have to, you have to love the guy to take him at three. So that's, and I'm going to get on a side point here. I mean, this is the way that I see it, like what we need to do. If you're the Patriots and you're looking at the situation, because you just mentioned that teams 
probably would hop us to take these quarterbacks. Like it's pretty unlikely that anybody besides Jaden Daniels is actually on the board at three when we're picking, regardless of what Chicago or Washington wants to do with their own team. Chicago, if they're looking to trade this pick, which I think they're going to, you can go back to three with the Patriots and have a free run at Marvin Harrison Jr. And you'll probably still get a future first and a couple other mid-round picks. Maybe you get like a third, fourth in there too. Wouldn't be the return that you're getting from other teams, but again, you get to take Marvin Harrison Jr. If you're looking at the other teams that can come up, you go back in the draft order. Arizona's got their guy. Chargers got their guy. Giants can't move off that Daniel Jones contract. I think the Titans are going to give Levis another year. I don't think they're going to feel strongly enough to trade all those picks and go up. So you get to Atlanta at eight. The Bears just traded back to eight, I believe. It might have been nine. Last year with the Panthers, they got three first-round picks and DJ Moore. They're going to ask Atlanta for three first-round picks, probably Drake London, maybe B. John Robinson. Will the Falcons definitely do that? Like, I, I don't know. I think that they would look at what happened to the Panthers this year. That trade worked out terribly for them. And I think that it would cause them to kind of backtrack a little bit. Once you get past Atlanta, Chicago's picking ninth. Jets are at 10. They're not coming up. Vikings might want to come up at 11. Chicago's not going to trade in their division. Then you got Denver at 12. And it's the same thing where they'd have to throw in like a Jerry Judy or a Cortland Sutton. And for Chicago, now they're also looking at hopping all the way out of the top 10. I think if the Patriots make an offer, a real legitimate offer, give them our first and third this year, first and third next year, I think Chicago takes it. And then from there, we can take whoever we want at quarterback. I would go Caleb Williams, but even if we were to go, you know, Drake May, like we decided he was the better guy, whatever, we get our guy at quarterback and finally square that issue away for really not that crazy of a trade package. No, I, I agree. I think you, you would have to take Caleb Williams at one. I think Caleb Williams is a generational talent. Um, you know, I don't really buy into everything that's being said that Caleb Williams wants to own half the team or any of that stuff. I know he definitely does not want to be a Chicago bear. No, that is for damn sure. So I honestly think that if the Bears do decide to, which they should, honestly, because you were just touching on it, like what the Bears did last year with moving down to eight or nine and getting three first-round picks, they're in a really good position right now to trade out again and then get two or three first-round picks and then keep fields. And then they're going to be a wagon in the next couple of years. But going back to it, I honestly – let me ask you a question before – I go on. How good do you think this draft uh, class compares to recent years? Um, like just in general or at quarterback? Just in general. In general, um, it is loaded offensively. It is so loaded offensively compared to past classes. Um, you don't usually see a class where – like if you look at any mock draft right now, I guarantee you that nine of the top ten play offense. They might throw like a Dallas Turner in there or a Jared Verse, but it's pretty possible that the entire top 10 is offensive players, which that just doesn't happen because classes just usually aren't deep enough for that. So then would you be opposed if the Patriots decided to trade out of the third 
and then move down if they ended up getting two first round picks. Like say like they went from like say someone trades them well I don't the, even know the exact order on the, the top tricky of my head. part like, is say they went to nine. So we would have to sign like we'd have to sign a quarterback first for me to be cool with that. Because if I you're agree, if agree. you're if that's a decision that you're making on draft night and then you're going into the free agency market after that and looking at what's left for quarterbacks, which at that point, like it's just going to be the scraps. It's going to be dudes who, you know, are pretty much backups. And that's what we're going to be looking at. So if it is something that we decide, like, is the move, I wouldn't love it, but I would at least be like, okay, like we've got all these future assets. Part of me would be a little bit relieved. I'm not going to lie. Like I would be like, okay, like, at least we're not going to screw up this third over. Now we're picking like eighth and, you know, it's going to be a lot easier of a pick and we have all these future firsts. This is all right. But again, we would need to sign that quarterback first. I feel like absolutely. Um, or I guess the alternative would be trying to take somebody in the second round, but I don't know. I don't, I don't like that. Like quarterbacks that don't go in the first round, they're not going in the first round for a reason it's pretty rare that you actually hit on one of those guys and they become a good starter. And usually it's because they walk into like such a good situation. I mean, look at like, you know, off top, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson. Like these are dudes I think of that. It's like they were mid round picks and then they became very good starters. It's because they walked into really good teams. When you just went four and 13, you should not be drafting like, you know, the fifth or sixth best quarterback in the class and expecting them to be able to transform your team. This is the type of uh, draft that, and I don't know why we don't do this more, like why we didn't do this more often. And I'm very disappointed we didn't do it last year, but I don't know why you don't trade back into the first round. Why not get two guys because you don't have to pay them for five years. Like, if they stick at three, right, you go get – like, get Drake May, get Caleb Williams, whoever – whatever one falls, right? You get your quarterback and then trade back into the top ten and get, like, neighbors or a guy that I love. And I would be, honestly, I think at the point, I think everyone would be a little upset because the position. But go get, like, Brock Bowers. Like, get your quarterback and then trade back in and get neighbors or Bowers and, like – transform your offense that way i don't know why teams don't trade back in more often i get it i don't think you can't do it like i just don't think anybody in the top 10 would trade entirely out of the first round houston was kind of the anomaly this year because they had two or last year because they had two top 15 picks but again that's something where you know if we traded back we would be that team in the situation where we have multiple you know high picks the next couple of years. And then that's when we could start, you know, making moves like that where you're making multiple picks in the top five or whatever else. But I don't know, man. I just, I, again, I feel like this is not an opportunity that comes around a lot and we need to use it to get a quarterback. Like we're not going to be picking this high again. I hope, you know, and I can tell you that I just took a look at the uh, the free agency market, and especially for offense, and it is terrible in my opinion. Yeah, it's not the good. biggest. The big the biggest name on there is Kirk Cousins, 
Um, but obviously, we know that that isn't going to happen. I would not want to pay Kirk Cousins no. that money. And then you got like Mike Evans, Michael, and I don't even think Michael Michael Pittman. And then you got like so I running I do just want to get on like a little bit of a tangent here. So many people have been like, just go get T Higgins, and then like whatever quarterback. Like, there is no way that the Bengals let T. Like, people just forget that the franchise tag exists before free agency. Like Pittman, he's going to get tagged by the Colts. T. Higgins, he's getting tagged by the Bengals. Mike Evans could probably get tagged by the Bucks. I don't think he will because I think they'll probably use it on Baker, which is another guy who people have been like, just go sign Baker Mayfield. Like a lot of these guys are going to get taken off the market before they even get there. So you look at like a pretty thin free agency class offensively, as you mentioned, it's only going to get worse. So that is another, you know, reason why I'm like, you need to look at the draft. No, I agree. And I think, no, that makes sense. It's just, honestly, it's tough right now. Like how, like you just talked about, like how bad this free agency is. I do want to say that I was like one of T Higgins biggest fans. I love T, but I don't think I would want T Higgins on the Patriots to be honest with you, because he's so injury prone. And, like, Mike Evans is up there in age. And then, like, I would love Michael Pittman. I wasn't really a big Michael Pittman guy, but he kind of proved me wrong this year with his play, especially from Minshew. Uh, but it's really tough. And that's why it's also, too, like, you get a quarterback, and then what are you going to do at yeah. the receiver position? Because, like, you're going to need to draft a receiver in the second round, in my honest opinion, if you do go get a quarterback at one. But, like, again, you're going to have to get a weapon. Yeah, I think that – that is the answer that you need to draft a quarterback and you need to draft a receiver with them. And I understand that, you know, it's hard to hit on both of those things, but we were just talking about T Higgins. Joe Burrow was the Bengals number one pick that year. They got their next pick first pick of the second round. They took the best receiver available in T the next year. The draft comes around. They got the fifth pick. They took the best receiver available in Jamar chase. And now they have this loaded offense and Joe Burrow got set up, you know, perfectly. So, I do think it's one of those things that if you can bring in the right quarterback and receiver together, it can, you know, really transform our offense. And this is a great quarterback class and a great receiver class. I agree. You know, we got pick three and 35, I think. So it's like, yes, those are great opportunities to do that. That's, that's where I think we should go. No, I I honestly follow the, uh, the Bengals formula. Especially because wasn't also too Zach Taylor wasn't it his first year when they got Burrow as well? Yes. Yeah. So you get new coach, new quarterback, and then you get new him a coach, weapon, new quarterback, the quarterback, and then receiver. you get Exactly. Yep. Yeah. No, but I will a, say smart. the one thing that, and I mean, you talked about it a little bit there when you brought up Joe Alt, but like the one thing that people are sleeping on is just how much of an overhaul our offensive line needs. Our starting tackles for the majority of the season with Vidarian Lau and Connor McDermott, that must be pretty close to one of the worst statistical like starting tackles in NFL history. Because I know for a big chunk of the season, uh, Vidarian Lau was the lowest-graded tackle on PFF. He was our starting left tackle pretty much whenever Trent Brown was off the field, which was a whole lot. So I think that that's another area where – we probably need to go get two tackles this year. Unless you re-sign on Weno and kick him to right 
like really the only promising pieces we have on our offensive line, it's all the interior. And David Andrews, I don't think he's going to retire yet, but he looks like he's going to be done pretty soon. And I think Jake Jake Andrews will take that spot over, though. I think Jake Andrews is actually going to be pretty good. Um, He started in the Buffalo game, I believe. Um, or not start? Did he start, or he came in for when? Uh, I don't. He might have at guard. Him. He definitely didn't yeah, start he, at center. Yeah. yeah. No. He, no. 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 He came in at guard, um, and he actually did pretty well. Um, so that looks promising. And I think Sal actually is pretty. Sal good had as a well. good year. Yeah. Yeah. So you know the but interior, that's... like you said, is fine. I don't think. I think that I would be very disappointed if we did take Joe Alt at three, which I think is a possibility because, like you addressed. Darian Lowe, worst tackle of all time. I don't think there would be any worse of a tackle than him. And then, but I would be disappointed because we didn't get a quarterback. We didn't get Marv, but I think Joe Alt would be, would help that offense tremendously going down the line. Yeah. I mean, I think realistically what's going to happen in that top three, Chicago is going to trade back. Again, I talked about, I think we're a really good destination to go up because they could get Marvin Harrison. We could trade a lot less than other teams would have to, because we're only going from three to one where other teams are probably going to have to toss in players. We wouldn't. Um, But if we don't go up, somebody is Caleb Williams going number one. I don't know how the commanders would pass on Drake may at two. And even if they decided that Sam Howell was their guy, they would trade out and let somebody take Drake May. So pretty much unless we move up, it's Jaden Daniels or Marv. And I don't know. That's that's just a tough decision for me because I want the quarterback, but I'm also aware that we should not just reach for a quarterback because he's the one that's there because that's what happened with Mac Jones. He was kind of the last guy left at 15 and we grabbed them. So – I would lean Marv there, but then again, you know, it's all the stuff I talked about where if then you don't have the right quarterback with him, how is he going to make an impact? So here's a quick, so let me ask you a question, right? Cause I know that you are, you know, killing it with the, uh, your draft predictions. You have a pretty good uh, sense for it. Do you think there's any chance that Drake may turns into a Mitch Trubisky? I don't. I honestly, like I think that comparison only exists because he went to North Carolina. When I watch his film, I don't, I don't see any Trubisky. Frankly, I actually see a little bit of Josh Allen, which certainly has its, you know, like dangers because Josh Allen makes a lot of stupid decisions sometimes where he'll just be running and he'll chuck this like crossbody bomb, whatever. Like Drake May, I would hope that he's a little bit of a smarter player than that, but physically, like. He runs incredibly. He's got the size, which the other two quarterbacks don't really have. Um, And he's just really good at these, like, improvisational plays right by the goal line. I've seen a ton of times where he's, like, running and he's about to get hit, makes, like, a jump pass into the end zone or, like, one of those little flip passes. And that's something that we've talked about for a little while, having to go against Josh Allen, where it's like, dude, every time we play them – and they have like a fourth and short, they can literally just give him the ball and shotgun and he'll roll out. If it's one guy between him and the line, he'll put his shoulder down and truck him and get the first down. If it's a bunch of them, he'll flip out a little pass to the tight end. Like it's very specific. And I was at the game. So it's the only reason why I remember it so well, but the Bills Pats game, 
at the end of Mac Jones' rookie year, the home game that we lost. We lost like 26-21, I think. I don't know if you remember that game. Thanks, thanks, J.C. Jackson, for dropping that pick. Okay, so you do remember that game. So you should remember there was a lot of third and shorts, fourth and shorts, when we had huge chances to win that game, and Josh Allen would just take it in his own hands and essentially just be like, I'm I'm better than you guys. Like, no one of you is going to stop me from getting two yards, so I'm going to get the two yards. So it's one of those things where I would like to have a quarterback like that. Um, so I do like Drake May. Jaden Daniels, like, you know, I've kind of given him a hard time on this podcast. I got to watch him a little bit more, but what I've seen is just like he, he wasn't that good at Arizona State. He didn't have a very good first year at LSU. And even this past year, like, I didn't even think he deserved to win the Heisman. I thought Penix should have won it. And when I watch back, like, his highlights, it's like, I don't know. They're imp- like, some of it's impressive, but the whole time I'm kind of just like, how is this guy like a Heisman winner? Like when I think about other Heisman like highlight reels, he doesn't even stack up, like not even close. So it is a little bit of a thing where I feel like people might be weighing that Heisman a little too heavily because this year was just a really weak year for it. And I think most people would pretty unanimously agree after seeing what he did against Texas that Penix probably should have won it. And I know he didn't have the best national championship game, but he had the better season than Jaden Daniels. So everybody's putting a lot on the fact that he just won a Heisman at LSU. But, I mean, even look at, like, that season compared to Burroughs, like the two Heisman-winning quarterbacks they've had. I can't even, like, mention that comparison without you laughing at me. Joe Burrow threw, like, 60 touchdown passes, undefeated national championship. Jaden Daniels went 8-4 and four with, like, kind of underwhelming stats. I don't know. It's I, I got to watch him more, but that's that's kind of where my thinking comes from on that. I, um, I think it was the first game of the year for LSU that I watched. And um, Florida they, State, he played they, so bad against Florida State. That's the only nothing. No, they didn't. They didn't lose 49 nothing. But yeah, that's another part of it, too, is like the only game, the only LSU game this year that I sat down and watched the whole thing was Florida State, first game of the year, and Jaden Daniels played awful, and Florida State dominated them. I think LSU was down like three, or it might have been it might have been tied at half or something like that. And then in the second half, like LSU offensively could not do anything against Florida State. I think they scored like three points the entire second half and just got boat raced. Yeah, they uh, it was forty five twenty four that game. One thing I do want to say because you did bring him up is I'm staying as I want the Patriots to stay as far away as they can from Michael Penix. I'm sorry, like yeah, I, he, I, he, he, I one thing and I hate to be that guy, but I we we're seeing it in Tua is that lefties are always the greatest for uh, quarterbacks and the dude like what did he have two ACL, uh, tiered ACLs and then yeah he so got absolutely murdered in the national championship game. Yeah, I mean, I like if you took the if you could somehow take the injury concerns out of it, I think Michael Penix would be QB three in this draft potentially mm-hmm. over Jaden Daniels. But the fact of the matter is, he's torn the same ACL twice, and it's like even if he's healthy right now, you just know he's one injury away from that knee being done, and like his career maybe being over. So. That's a guy who, like, I, I guess, like, you know, I talked about before, there's a reason that quarterbacks go outside the first round. It's like 
he would be the guy I'd definitely be happiest with if we were to take a second-round quarterback. Like, I'd want him over J.J. or Bo Nix. But, again, I would be constantly so worried that he's just going to pick up that next knee injury and it's going to be an RG3 and he's done. I agree. I didn't even realize, um, just to revert back for a second, that Drake May was 6'4". Yes, exactly. He doesn't play like he's 6'4". Is, he, is, you know what I mean? He, like, like, is that weird? But, like, I, he doesn't play – like, he plays, like, a lot smaller. But, I mean, he's really good, obviously. But you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't feel like a guy that you want to just highlight and, like, watch him on the field. Like, wow, he's 6'4". I thought he was, like, 6'1", 6'2". I agree, but I could – like, I could send you – it was – I think it was, like, a Theo Ash tweet or something like that where it was, like, all 22 film. And it's, like, three or four plays of, like, what I was describing where it's, like, Drake May – like rolls out, he's got the ball tucked and then he's about to get tackled and he like flips it out of his arm and throws it 10 yards into the end zone for a touchdown. Like these Josh Allen type plays. And that's obviously those type of plays is when you can really like see his size and tell, but yeah, I mean, he's got the NFL build of all the quarterbacks we're looking at. That's the biggest knock on Caleb Williams is he's listed at, I think six, one, two eighteen. And people are pretty skeptical of that. They don't even think he's six one. Like he might be smaller. He's six, he's he... six, he's six feet. Yeah. So he's it's probably easy. gonna be smaller once he gets measured at the combine. Then it's like, okay, let's look at some past number one picks who were six foot. Bryce Young, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Like, it's been a problem. Their size has been a problem for all of these guys so far in the NFL. So that's another thing where it's just like physical tools, like Williams' he's, build though is insane for six feet. His, though. Like, his he's arm talent is just like yes, he's filled out, and that's why he's still like such a good runner. Like probably a better, definitely a better runner than all those guys I just said. Kyler Murray would be like the only competition, but Kyler, it's pure just like speed. Caleb Williams can run by you, and he can run through you. So I don't know. I I do think that. It's. I just want one of those guys so bad. And I'm sure, like, you can tell by this podcast, but it's like, I think if we got Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams, it would just finally, like, solve our quarterback position and we can move on. Because, again, you talk about, like, all right, well, you know, you got to get them weapons, whatever. This isn't, like, this isn't going to be a one-year rebuild. We're probably not going to get back into the playoffs next year. If you draft that guy, you can't. You can, I honestly I do really quick think you can't get back in the playoffs. I do too, because wanna, yeah. we're going to have a lighter schedule. The yep. defense is still elite. I agree. But it's going to, like, the offensive line needs to get fixed. You need to get better receivers, and you need to get a good quarterback in. If we mess any of those things up, that could be it. Or not even to mention if we mess up again with offensive coordinator. So it is kind of like up in the air, but we talked about Burrow. It's not like they took him and T Higgins in that draft. And then they were just like, great. I know that Burrow tore his ACL at the end of that year, but, they weren't but that was well. way late in the season. Yeah, exactly. Cincinnati was already bad before then. So that's the thing where I like just having your quarterback figured out because even if we go six and 11, but we're like, all right, well, Drake may was really good. Then we can just draft a receiver in the first round or go, you know, trade for whoever's available because we know we have the quarterback and it makes more sense to spend the assets there. 
I do think that there's going to be one wide receiver that's going to be available for trade. And I know AJ that A.J. Brown, and he would love to be a Patriot because he's a Patriot fan. I know that the error is gone with Brady and uh, Bill, and that was obviously a big part of it. But I think A.J. Brown's going to be available. And I think that the Patriots, if they do get a quarterback, rookie quarterback, like May or Williams, and, you know, you're 100, everything you said is 100% right. I just love Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you get any of those three, I'll be so happy. But like you're saying, the smart thing to do, get a quarterback, go 6-11, worst-case scenario. You have your guy for the next 15 years, or hope so at least, and then you start to rebuild around that quarterback, and then in like three years from now, you're going to be in Super Bowl contention. But if you can get one of those guys and you can get an A.J. Brown to pair with that rookie quarterback, that's a game-changer right there. Like, you gotta get, you got to get this quarterback a stud. That's the most important thing, and, and that's going back to – which is good – in this sense, is even though we love Bill and appreciate everything he did, and this is why it's important that Mayo, I think, is now that guy because Bill clearly just did not have the knack for it. Yeah, I mean, whoever it is, like even Jaden Daniels, I don't think would be it, – it's not like a horrific decision. I just think taking him at three is a big reach. Like if we got Jaden Daniels and fixed our offensive line and put some receivers out, like it can still work. So – it is one of those things where, like, we just got to get somebody in there who we really believe can be our guy for the future. I'm not talking, like, sign Gardner Minshew, and you're like, all right, well, you know, if he's good this year and we can be close to making the playoffs, like, maybe we'll give him another year. Like, it's like, no, go get a rookie quarterback that you trust, that you think you can build your franchise around, and if you can't do that, free agency that you think can actually take us to the playoffs and have success like spend the money on baker if you need to people are talking about Dak getting traded i don't know i'm not on deck honestly and it's like going like back to the you know the quarterback right if you do get drake may and i know we just talked about like the rebuild and like you get a wide receiver right and like you get that number one guy next year but I'm not going to lie to you. I think that if you got Drake May this year and then you spent the second-round pick, you got a tackle. Third-round pick, you got a tackle. Or you trade back into the second and you get another tackle. Or you sign, like, Tyron Smith from the Cowboys. He's going to be a free agent. Or, like, because Trent Brown's going to go. I don't even want Trent Brown back. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you've got to part ways with that. If you can sign on Wenu and then your interior is fine and you have Drake May, I do like – I bring back Kendrick Bourne, Demario Douglas, and I think that – like, the offense isn't bad. I think Juju isn't as bad as what everyone is saying. He's bad. Um, even though with the knee – I don't think he's that bad. Like, as a number three. Yeah, but he's not – he's not – and it was – I mean, you were right on this. You called this before the season started, but he's not going to get – he's the best if you can put him in the slot, and he's not going to get to play in the slot because Demario Douglas is too good. He's better than him. Demario Douglas is going to be a thousand yard receiver. Drake May next year. Just pointing that out there. Demario Douglas has a lot, a great potential to be a thousand yard receiver. And Bourne's market might not be as good because of that ACL. I just think you're going to let Devontae Parker go, and then you know you run it with those. Well, three we extended like, them, so you like how? He's only making like five million bucks. You can get out of that. You can, but it's just it's tough. I. I don't know. I was looking at kind of like our upcoming free agents. We have a lot of decisions to make. Like, Bourne's a free agent. 
you mentioned the ACL tear makes it interesting there. He definitely wants to come back. Yeah, I think you should re-sign him um, as long as he's not asking for anything crazy. Just because you do have to respect he's coming off like a huge injury. It's going to de- decrease his value. Um, and then you've got Gasicki and Henry are both free agents. I'd probably let Gasicki go and bring Henry back, try and get him on like, a two-year deal. Not crazy money, hopefully, like compared to the contract he was just coming off of. Um, and then really the big story for our free agency, you got Uche, Onwenu, and Duggar. They are all top free agents at their position. They're all going to get big contracts. I could even see us using the franchise tag on one of them. You can't. You aren't going to be able to keep all three of them. There's no way. So I think I, that I'm good with parting ways with uh, Uche. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Opinion. I was going to say I think the choice is obvious there, and it, I love Josh Uche, but it's just our offensive line. We've talked about it this whole time. It's such a mess. Letting Onwenu leave would just. It would be. Done. I can't like, see a. I honestly can't see a way that our offensive line would get better if we let him leave. We'd have to hit on like all these late round picks and stuff because there's really not even free agent. Like there's not a big name, like free agent tackle this year. Tyron Smith is the best one who you mentioned there. And he's what? 38, 39. So is he that old? I don't, I didn't think he was that up there in age. I thought he was like, I think he's pretty old. I thought he was drafted in 2016. No, no way. You must be thinking of, uh, he's 30. He's, he's 32 years old. 33. So I was I was yeah. wrong, but still, I mean, he's old and he's had a lot of injuries the past few years. But regardless, he's the best guy on the market. Usually you get better tackles on the free agency market than that. Like what was the – Teron Armstead was the big one last year to Miami or a couple years ago, whatever. Either way, I don't see how the offensive line could improve if you let Onwenu go. you got to re-sign him. And it's honestly good that Bill is gone in this respect, because he was never getting re-signed if Bill Belichick was here. Because Bill Belichick would have said, you're a guard, and he would have tried to skimp him on the money in that way. Michael Nwenu knows that he should be our right tackle, and he's going to want to get paid like it. Somebody is just going to need to suck it up and do that. And then we have our right tackle solved, and all you got to do is go get that left tackle. As we already talked about, the interior is good. But if you let Nwenu go... Now you're looking at trying to get two new starting tackles in one off season, and that's just a really tough feat. I think um, what's it? don't know exactly how to put it, but like you were saying, right, with the offensive line and everything, if you let on one who go, going back to, you know, Bill and how he handled the last couple of years, and Trent Brown did say this, and he was 100% right. I don't know if you saw Trent Brown, like, go off with this interview with Mark Daniels um, that he had a couple of weeks ago. But, like, why did they, like, why did they, one, trade Shaq Mason? Two, That's they, so like, bad. franchise tag Joe Tooney, and then they let Joe Tooney go. And, like, the Tooney one I get because, like, he's going to get a lot of money, but, like, he's an all-pro. Yeah. Like that's someone that they should have easily kept the Shaq, and then the Shaq Mason one was purely like we we tried to get cute, and we were like, all right, he's making nine million, we can flip him for a fifth, and then if we just draft a guard in the first round, like they'll be as good as him or better than him, and they'll be cheaper. And then guess what happened? Kenyon Green went at fifteen, Zion Johnson went at seventeen. 
we were sitting there at 21 and we had no idea what to do because we had planned our whole offseason on taking one in the first round or play Shaq Mason. So then we end up trading back and obviously you get the super reach with Cole Strange. And I think one that I think was worse than Joe Tooney because of the money stipulations is letting Ted Karras leave. Ted Karras, you could have had for like $8 million. And he was a guard and a center. Very undervalued guy. And I think that guy at left guard would have been perfect. And then they let him go, and then you get Cole Strange. And that's not panning, and you didn't pan that out either. Again, it's like, notice how none of the guys we're talking about are tackles. Like, we're not good at getting tackles in. Ever since Dante Scarnecchio left, it's been a real struggle for us. It's been Isaiah Wynn, Trent Brown, like dudes who just haven't really been that consistent or worked out. On the right, you know, you can kind of like flip-flop and figure it out a little more. Like Connor McDermott, I talked about that being a terrible tackle pairing with him and Vidarian Lau. He's not nearly as bad as Vidarian Lau. He was wow. able to hold his own at right tackle. Even like I remember in 2020, like Jermaine Illuminor, he was starting at right tackle a bunch of games. He was solid. Like, you can find one tackle. It's not that hard to find one tackle. But if you let him one who go or if you keep him at guard or whatever else, finding two of them in the same offseason is so tough, dude, because really all we've been able to hit on is the interior guys. Tooney, Shaq Mason, we got David Andrews there now, and Wenu was a great pick. He came out as a he came in as a guard. City Sal, we talked about. You think Jake Andrews looks pretty promising. Like the interior you can figure out, but it's those tackle spots that are really tough. So that's why I feel like Wenu absolutely needs to come back and you should just toss him at right tackle to just have that squared away. And then yeah, you're probably looking at trying to draft maybe high second round or, you know, obviously we talked about possibly Joe Alt in the first, but you got to get that left tackle squared away because you can't just trot out these random guys in seasons where, you know, it's going to be really important, whoever our quarterback is, how they do. They're either going to be a rookie and you're talking about their development, whatever else, or it's going to be a veteran we brought in and this season is going to directly decide if they stay. Or it's going to be Mac Jones, and we're going to go 0-17. I think um, one thing on the offensive line, which is crucial as well, and I am going back to Bill a little bit, and, you know, we didn't really get a fair say on how Adrian – it's Clem, right? Clem. Clem, okay. We didn't really get to see how he could do this year because of, like, just not being available. But one interesting thing, I think that they should have done it, is they had Ryan Wendell – interviewed and I thought he would have been a great guy for that offensive line coach and then they let him go to the Rams and Wendell was one that I think would have brought like a culture player I think player coaches is tremendous and I think uh, that one is one that they let go and speaking of player coaches because this hit my mind sorry to go off a little bit off topic what I was saying with that offensive line is but do you think that Dante Hightower will come back and be like a linebackers coach yeah, so I mean, there was a report two, of Mayo saying that whenever he has yeah, his own so team, two things from me. First, just quickly back to your Wendell thing. Not even just a player coach. I think that would have been a fantastic hire because, Don, like, people sleep on just how good Dante Scarnecchio was, 
There was a period in New England where we could bring in any offensive lineman and he would turn them into like a solid contributor, solid starter. Trent Brown was a draft bust who didn't even want to play football. The 49ers, I don't know if they cut him or traded him to us for like a seventh. He was the starting left tackle on a Super Bowl winning team year one with Dante Scarnecchia. So I think not even the player coach aspect, just hiring a dude in Ryan Wendell who was coached by him for multiple years and like understood how he did things, probably learned a ton from him, would have been fantastic. On to the Hightower uh, part. I think he definitely could come back as a uh, linebackers coach, but you know, people are really basing that off of just that one clip where Mayo's like, yeah, you know, I'd like to have him come back. We'll see. Um, the thing that I actually think is a little bit more likely would be LeGarrette Blunt maybe in as like a running backs coach or offensive assistant. Cause I don't know if you, or James White, because I don't I know if you say saw, James White. yeah, I don't know if you saw that stuff, uh, at training camp last year, but they were both there a couple days. Like Bill was kind of like teaching them some coaching stuff. Like it seemed like they were there cause maybe they had some interest in getting into coaching and Bill was just kind of going to like show them the ropes a little bit. Obviously Hightower was a fantastic player. I think he'd be more than qualified to be a linebackers coach, but we just haven't seen him do something like that. That's shown that, you know, he actually has like interest in getting into that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that in a perfect world, in my opinion, now that we're just kind of going off players coaches, you do get blunt or James uh, white as a running backs coach, you get high towers, a linebackers coach, and then Slater retires, but then takes over the special teams and the special teams coach. That is, that could turn into be one hell of a coaching staff. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, it's also that's a hypothetical that's not going to happen. But I yeah. just, you know, just like talking about. Like, I think we'll get it, like, we'll get one. We'll get one guy in there. There's going to be at least one former Patriot that comes in uh, as a head coach for Mayo. Now I don't know where you put him necessarily but my absolute number one pick would be Matthew Slater just any way to keep Matthew Slater around this team like I don't care what role you give him he can be the wide receivers coach he can be a special teams assistant he can be I mean you can make him the safeties coach if you want a DB's coach like I honestly think that just like his mentality and like how he's spoken about just as a person and a leader and a teammate, any excuse to keep him around this organization. He hasn't officially retired yet, but I think we all know he's probably going to. Um, yeah. I mean, that would, that would be fantastic. I think so. This popped in my head as well, just question, right? So Slater's going to retire. We know that. They all the shirts and everything for him mm-hmm. and how he went out. Who do you think is now going to take over as that leader? Because that's a pretty important role to have because Slater's had it for how since uh, 2009, I think. So what is that, 15 yeah. years that we've had Slater? Well, on, on the special teams, uh, we are lucky enough that the Brandon Schooler is very good. I think he made first team all pro this year. Yep. So he's going to definitely need to step up and be a little bit more of a leader for that special teams unit. I haven't seen like a lot from him that would tell me he's this very like outspoken guy or whatever. But at the same time, if you're playing special team for the Patriots when Matthew Slater is too, like there's no way you're going to be the louder voice in that group. Like you're going to be following what Slater's doing. So I think Schooler maybe could be a guy who steps up, but 
more so uh, if you're looking at the rest of our team, dude. I, I mean, I, it's tough because I'm thinking about guys like on our defense who are going to be around and Duggar, I really want us to bring him back. And I think he's super important to our defense, but he just doesn't seem like the most like outspoken guy. He kind of seems to keep to himself. Christian Gonzalez seems the same way. Um, I think really it's going to be Judon. Do you think Judon stays? Yeah, I do. So there's I think, one. I think there's one guy that only for me makes the most sense to take over that leadership, and hopefully he'll stay, and hopefully that he'll retire a Patriot, and we have him for at least the next six years, and that's Jabril Peppers. Oh, I love Jabril Peppers, dude. I forgot about him. I think Peppers is one guy that can step up and take that leadership role. And he's got that personality. He kind of already has a little bit, like defending the team and everything, defending the coach and all of that. I think Peppers is one guy. And um, when you were talking about the Patriots free agents and, like, in-house guys, and, like, you brought up Uche, Alwenu, Duggar. I could be wrong if we didn't already bring this up, but I think – no, no, no. More importantly than um, – I just keep going all over the place because I feel we haven't really got to talk at all and there's so much mm-hmm. to talk about, is that one guy that they should absolutely re-sign, especially over Uche's on free Jennings. That guy yeah, had a hell like of a Jennings. second half. And then second half of the season, I think he ended up being better than Uche, in my opinion. He's all, he can play all three downs, and he's not going to cost that much money. Yeah, and you're going to be – that's the thing with letting Uche go is that he walks, you lose him. You're still looking at your edge rushers then become Matt Judon, Keon White, and Anthony. Dietrich Wise. I mean, Keon White had an amazing rookie year. Yeah, Dietrich Wise. But I'm talking about more of like outside he's, guys. He's more along the defensive line. Like they actually kind of will get in that outside linebacker role. Yeah. So, I mean, those three, like, that's perfect. I mean, you can draft another guy if you want for the depth, but it's like you can let Uche go and we're still fine at that position. Whereas I mentioned how bad it would be if you let Wenu go. If you let Duggar go, I, I, hope, I hope that we as an organization are not arrogant enough to look at Marte Mapu after what he did in training camp last year and think that he could just walk in and replace Duggar. Because, I, I mean, I don't know about you. I was high on him coming into this season just like you were. Kyle Duggar is amazing. I do not think there's a lot of guys in the NFL that would just walk in and fill his shoes. And I think that if we let him go, we certainly would rely on Marte Mapu to do that. And, I, I mean, especially this season, like, I don't think he'd be able to. No, he had a tough – but they honestly, the thing with Mapu, and I agree 110%, Doug is a guy you keep. You have to keep him. He is a versatile – You, t- you franchise tag good. him if you have to, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree 110%. And Mapu, they didn't know what to do with him, though. Like, he, there's games that, like – I think he's a linebacker, dude. I don't think he's a safety. I'm sorry. People keep saying that he's a safety. The team says he's a safety because I don't know if you saw the mic that part when you got that pick in mm-hmm. the Chiefs game. And they called him a linebacker. They're like, he's no line. He's a safety. And, like, they were just, like, talking about it. He's he, both. He's, he's just like Duggar. He's, he's both. He's a line. He's going to be a linebacker, dude. I'm sorry. But, like, if you can get him, go if you re-sign Duggar and you franchise tag him and then you keep Peppers, Mac Wilson, honestly, had a really good bounce back year as well. Tavai is very underrated as well. Um, I 
can't believe I'm saying it, but like I was completely wrong. And Jelani Tavai, I thought that he sucked coming from Detroit. Patricia's I guy. I thought he sucked. That, first, that, that was, first year was rough for him. I thought that that's the best <clears> thing that Matt Patricia has ever done for this organization is bring in Tavai over. And believe it or not, Tavai had five all-pro votes. So, like, shout out to that guy. Um, and then if you bring Mapu down, and then, like, they're gonna, their defense is going to be fine. I think Mapu's more of a what, linebacker. What I do love, Peppers. What I do love about this Gerard Mayo hire is you talk about guys like Jelani Tavai, Jabril Peppers, Anthony Jennings, Mac Wilson, like dudes who, if I was talking to a non-Patriot fan and I was like, yeah, Jelani Tavai just had a great season, they would be like, who? Like, what? what are you talking about? And then I was like, yeah, you got five first-team All-Pro votes. Like, they'd be like, huh? They'd be shocked. And then it's like you can even throw in, like, Keon White, Barmore, like Christian Barmore at a monster end of the season. The thing I really like about this Gerard Mayo hire is, you know, he was running the defense at the end of the year, and we saw how outspoken a lot of these guys, like Mac Wilson was super outspoken about wanting Gerard Mayo to be back as the head coach before that happened. I think that he was able to get that unit together and like really rally them at the end of the season because when we lost, it was like, it was after the Dolphins game. Once we lost that game, like everybody knew it was kind of done because we had that Bills win. It was like you got a little bit of hope. Like everybody could have just given up then, but it was like the defense from that point out the rest of the season might have been the best in the NFL. Like the past weeks after that, it was like we let up like 10 points to the Colts, 10 points to the Giants. And it's like these teams had the ball the entire game. Even the Buffalo game at the end of the year, we had like six three and outs and Zappy threw two picks and we lost by a possession. Or we were we had the ball with like five minutes left with a chance to win that game. Like it was just crazy. No, I agree. That defense was different, honestly. Um, going to what you said about Mayo, one thing that made me excited, like when I started to like, you know, get over Bill leaving because I still couldn't really fathom it. And like, you know, I, I got to admit, I was a Vrabel. I was all in on Vrabel home run pick. We talked about that one. And I was like, it's just weird because like Mayo doesn't have the experience, obviously. But then then the stories start to come out and you get to like see reports of like how Mayo was because you don't really hear, you didn't really hear anything about Gerard Mayo. Um, apparently that Christian Barmore's development is all because of Gerard Mayo. And it was like, I guess like Barmore just needs to like, like everyone else, like he just needs to like have fun, have humor. And then when it's time to get serious, that's when you get serious. And Mayo has done that for that whole defense, I guess. Like, there's something that I guess Barmore always makes fun of uh, Mayo's hairline or something like that. And then Mayo just calls him fat, like a fat fuck or whatever. And then, yeah. like, when you need to get serious, like, Barmore is locked in. That whole defense, like you said, played for Mayo. And I bet you that it comes to the point the second half that Mayo is like, you know what? Like, this, this offense fucking sucks. And he's like, but we're not going to fail because they suck. He's like, we're not going to give up. Like, you show why, like, whatever. And probably told the team because there's reports that, you know, the coaching staff was divided. And because of Mayo being the successor to Bill Belichick and then Belichick, you know, not liking it. So there's some diversity in that locker room. And Mayo's like, guys, I'm going to be your head coach. Like, you're going to start playing for me now. And that's clearly what happened. And it worked out tremendously. Barmore had, like, a sack in every game for the remainder. I don't know if he had one of the Jets, but he literally had a sack the last, like, seven, eight games. And there's two games that he had 
two or three sacks. He had a crazy game against the Broncos. I remember yeah, he had three sacks against the Broncos, and then he had two sacks. I think the week prior. Yeah, but well. it's like so even off. something like that. Like, I mean, I'm sure you remember the rumors from right before we went to Zappy, where it was like people on the team were like getting pissed that Mac was still in there, and like not so much a divide between the coaching staff, but it kind of started to look like there was a divide between offense and defense where like the defense was like, we're playing great. Like what the fuck? This guy sucks. We can't win with him. I think that you're totally right. I think Mayo might've just come in and just been like, whatever, like block all that out. I don't care who our quarterback is. I don't care how many points the offense scores. Like we'll just get, we'll, we'll cause turnovers and hold the other team to 10 points every week. And like we'll be in we'll be in games if we do that. So and it was without your two best defensive players. Yes. And so now they, exactly yeah. you add Christian Gonzalez and Matt Judon to that defense no matter what. And people sleep on we're gonna get Marcus Jones back too. He was, a, was a, a fantastic slot corner for us his rookie year. I was gonna say one thing that's interesting too is like that second back half of the season they lost so they. Obviously, you lost Gonzalez. We brought back J.C. Jackson, and then we had Jack Jones. So we had Jonathan Jones, J.C. Jackson, uh, Jack Jones. Jack Jones gets traded or gets cut, and then signed with the Raiders. J.C. Jackson goes into mental health, whatever. I don't even know what happened to J.C. Jackson. And then we have Alex Austin, Miles Bryant, which Miles Bryant, I think a lot of Patriots fans need to apologize to Miles Bryant, including myself. Including um, he should never yeah. he should Sorry. he should not return a punt. <laughs> he should never return a punt, but that is a guy that I want on my football team. He, he should get he's a free agent. He should get resigned. He should hundred and ten percent. And you know, but they had Alex Austin, Miles Bryant, Jonathan Jones, who was also banged up in that second half of the season. And then the guy that we just had for that one game that we signed up, Arizona. Um, um Marco Wilson. Yeah, Marco Wilson. But they still they played well. Like that with Alex Austin guys. played really well at the end of the year. Alex yeah, Austin Buffalo. probably is, might make his way onto the roster next year. If there's room. Honestly. I know, exactly. With that with that, that cornerback room looks stacked. But even still, like Alex I'm sure we could like keep him on the practice squad and that's a guy that we know we could call up if somebody went down and he's been in there before and had like solid performances in NFL games. Yeah, I think J.C. Jackson's going to be gone. So I think there will be a I chance agree. for uh, Alex Austin to actually make that 53. But the good thing, right, for this is that we don't have to worry about, like, getting defense. We don't need really any help on that defense as long as you resign Duggar. Everything for agency in the draft, every draft pick should be an offensive player, in my honest opinion. And every free agent signing should be, for the most part, offensive guys. You don't need to go get defense this year. You really don't. Even when we didn't need to, Bill still did, which is nice to have death. Don't get me wrong. But you just got to focus on that offense. I agree. Um, The unfortunate thing a little bit is we do talk about, like, Bill Belichick, how he made a lot of mistakes as GM, whatever. He still definitely had that eye for defensive talent. Like, we can't deny that. There's so many guys – that he was bringing in, like you talk, Tobai was uh, Patricia's guy, whatever, but you talk about like a Mac Wilson or an Anthony Jennings or Keon White or Christian Gonzalez or Marcus Jones. Like he still definitely had the juice on defense. I would only say 
that we should still look to stock the defense a little bit just because once we actually do have problems on defense and like have that need, we don't have a Bill Belichick that, you know, can patch them very quickly and usually without a lot of resources. Like you, most of the time when we have a problem on defense, he would just grab like an undrafted guy or you would draft someone at highest. He would take his like Uche going like this late second round or Anthony Jennings was a third round pick. Like he would just use a mid round pick or grab an undrafted guy and it would be fixed. You don't think, um, well, oh, actually, one thing I would say is that they definitely got to bolster up that uh, that cornerback room. But you don't think for, like, depth, I mean, especially, because, like, the injuries really played a big part. So if they could draft a guy in, like, the third round, like, fourth round, and then yeah. rebuild them. But, like, what you're just saying, Bill had the knack and had the defensive talent. 100% agree. But you don't think Mayo can carry over that load? Because Mayo, you know. No, he, I mean, he from, certainly you know, can, from that, but I'm just yeah. saying – I I have a very hard time believing he could do it as well as Bill Belichick. Yeah, no, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I got you. Definitely, I'm definitely excited to see how Mayo does. I would say my 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 kind of ideal draft plan. I would say use that first pick on a quarterback. Trade up for Caleb Williams if you have to. I'm hoping that this Jaden Daniels Drake May conversation becomes close enough that Jaden Daniels actually goes two and Drake May just falls into our lap at three. I don't think that's going to happen, but use that first pick on a quarterback trade up if you need to. And then those next three should be two wide receivers and a tackle or two tackles and a wide receiver. Then you can start getting into, you know, take a corner or if Uche left, maybe take an edge rusher or, you know, some other spots on take a center. If you're not so convinced in Jake Andrews, like whatever, take another running back. If you don't resign Zeke, but, those first four picks should be a quarterback and then either two tackles and a receiver or two receivers and a tackle. Like you got to solve those issues. They a hundred percent need to resend Zeke at any cost. Not I wouldn't any, say any cost. And I wouldn't, that, I'm saying, but like a reasonable number. Like he was, I he was on one. I was, I was like doing these the other, hold on. I can read you off some of these actually. Cause I was looking at like who we could resign and kind of like realistic money we could give them. You let me know what you think, but. Bring Zeke back. He was on one year three. Give him one year three point five. Just give him, you know, a little bump for sticking sticking around. I give him five. I don't know. If I, I really, I dude, I really, I really do. Zeke, if just okay, but hear me out on this, right? If we had better quarterback play, and that this team they weren't just like everyone was, uh, you know, stopping the run, right? And it like you had a mix of both, and they weren't just focused on the run. Zeke's instantly doing way better, and he had a hell of a season. I just bump him up to five. Fair enough, but I'm looking at it more from the perspective of he did not have a lot of interest last year. And then if you, I mean, if you just look at the stats, he has worse stats this past year than he did that year with the Cowboys. So it's like, and he's a year, he's obviously a a year older. It is a running back thing. He's a year older now as a running back. It's just like, he's really not going to have that much interest. And especially this year's running back market is crazy. You're going to have Saquon, Josh Jacobs. Like there's a ton of guys that teams can go after, obviously the draft. So, so I just don't think it'd be that competitive to bring him back. I think we'd get him for cheaper, but you know, one year five wouldn't be crazy. I would try and get, I would try and get miles Bryant. I had us re-signing him. I said like two years, seven, 
I would try to get born on like two year eleven. I don't know if he'd be cool. Like it's a little less than his last contract, but I mean he's coming off that injury. It just is what it is. Like it's so something one, you got to take into account. I just um looked up Born's um market value when we were plotting just to see when it was going to free agency. You know mm. what they have Born's market value at? What? Three years, and then fourteen million dollars. Fourteen a year? No, fourteen total. They have him an average annual. Yeah, he was on three year. He we signed him to three year fifth twenty one from San Francisco. Yeah, it was three year twenty one. Yeah, I think he was getting oh, seven okay. million a year. Aguilar was getting uh, thirteen million a year. Okay, but like we should be able to bring him back for pretty cheap either way. Henry, I would say, I said like two year nineteen. He's kind of a tough one just because. He's going to get, yeah, his age, but I feel like we have, like, Gasicki did not do enough that we should let Henry go and, like, try and switch it over. I think that's something that we might have had in mind when we signed him, but he was brought in to be, like, a red zone threat, and we had an offense that was never in the red zone. So Henry seems like somebody that's going to follow Bill. Maybe, but also, like, he was a a captain this past year. I don't know. I, I do agree. It's... He's got ties, but it's like, was it more to Bill or more to the team? I, I do see that, but we'll see with Henry. I would say you let Kasicki walk, you let Trent Brown walk. I'd let Jalen Mills walk. We talked about how stacked that corner room is already. And also, I mean, he's a safety. Like, him getting put at corner was just not not good. It really I never actually, worked. Is it bad that I forgot we had Jalen Mills? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uche, we already talked about letting him walk. Duggar, I think you're going to have to give him, like, four years, 58, four years, 60. He's going to get a big contract, which is a little – it concerns me because I don't see us giving him that, and that's what he deserves. Yeah, no, I agree 110%. Duggar is, though, like you said, worst case, you franchise tag. On when it would get something right around that. Maybe a little bit cheaper just because people don't know if he's like a guard or a tackle. He should get more than guard money, but he might not get tackle money just because he hasn't played there. I said like four year 52, something like that. So, again, obviously, Duggar and Owen are getting big contract. Like, there's no way that Uche can stay with them. It just sucks. It is what it is. Um, and then, as, as just kind of like a little signing I tossed in there. Tell me what you'd think about giving Marquise Brown a one-year, $12 million contract. Uh, I am – I'm out on Marquise Brown. Um, and it's just I don't – there's something about the guy that I don't like. And I tend to hate – I have a couple guys like that, and he's one of them. And I don't know why. I didn't <laughs> like him on Baltimore and Arizona. He was solid with Kyler. But he's just one of those guys, man, that I'm just out on. But he's not, just nothing against it. It's it's me. It's not him. And just, I don't know why. He's he's one of those guys who just when I was looking at the receivers, I was like, okay, T franchise tag, Pittman franchise tag, Mike Evans is going to get like 60, 70 mil if he actually leaves the Bucks. Like Marquise Brown was one of the only guys where I was like, he's probably going to leave. You could probably give him like a one year prove it deal. Like this is kind of a realistic signing. So regardless, I you know tossed in there this is a situation if we traded up to one and then I had us drafting Tyler Guyton out of Oklahoma in the second round I had us trading 
or first and third the next two years. And that would give us a starting offense of Caleb Williams, Ramondre Stevenson with Zeke backing him up. You've got Marquise Brown, Kendrick Bourne, Demario Douglas as your starting receivers with Juju in there as well. Devontae Parker would probably go, but he might be in there, Tyquan Thornton. Then you got Hunter Henry at tight end. You got a starting line of Tyler Guyton, Cole Strange, David Andrews, City Sal, Michael Leno. That's a completely transformed offense. And I think everything that I had us doing is completely realistic and achievable if we want to go do it. I like it. I really do. And Farrell Brown isn't a bad uh, tight end, too, either. Exactly. You know, I, that's, oh. that's solid. I like that. You've got to bring on Wenu back at all costs on Wenu. But you really think four for 52? Yeah, dude, it's going to be a lot. I, I didn't think it would be that much, but then I started to look at, like, what other guys are getting. Like, Shaq Mason, I think, got four-year 50 or, like, something around there, and he's a lot older than Onwenu, and he can't play tackle. So it's, like, one of those – it's just – it is what it is. That's just, like, the market value on these guys. And it's also – Onwenu is, like, one of the better offensive linemen available just because of his age and because he can play multiple positions. So he's going to have a lot of interest. We're going to have feel, to pay him. I think that – you gave him the value is way less than what I think it's going to be. I I think four way less. Yeah. I honestly might've, I think that, yeah, I did the franchise tag for a tackle is like 21. But that's the thing is he doesn't, he doesn't have the snaps to, if we, if we were to franchise tag him, I know, but if we were to franchise, exactly. And that would be a situation. But the, sorry, hold on. I didn't mean to cut you off the franchise tag. Is the same for no matter what for a garden you want. Yeah, it's offensive line franchise tag. It's not. Oh a, wow! That so it's is on a tackle. It's on a tackle or a guard. That. Um, so that's the thing that's tough. So I think on one who's going to get like four. I would say four for seventy-five. <sighs> that's a big contract, dude. We could have avoided all. The, I remember you and I week after week before this season talking about how we need to extend Duggar or Unwenu because they're going to cost so much more money if we don't do it. Imagine if we could have extended Unwenu before this season, way less money than that. We probably could have gotten him for the four-year 50. Yeah, I agree. I now that he's going to hit the open market and have other offers on the table, bro, it's going gonna, it's gonna to double. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. But I think Mayo might, now that Mayo's obviously worked with him, and whatnot that I think that that's really good for Duggar's chances to stay here. Um, yeah. I have a question for you because this is, this got brought up today in a tweet. Um, and it was reported that the Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft have offered the Belichick sons, Brian and Steve to stay on the staff. Do you think that there's any possibility that two of those guys stay? Um, I don't, I think that that was like a, not like a, I mean, they made him the offer, but I think it's an offer that neither side really thinks will be accepted. Like, I think they know that Bill is going to go be a coach somewhere and obviously Bill is going to want them. They're going to have the offer from their dad. Like they're going to leave the Patriots. Um, and I, I don't know. Keeping them around would just be so strange to me, honestly. And I've never, I've never been a big, like, fan of either one. Like, I, 
you remember in 2021, like everybody was hyping up Steve Belichick. They were like, he's running the defense and like they're cooking and he's going to be like Bill's replacement, whatever. And I remember even at that time, I was just like, everybody is saying that it's like him and Gerard Mayo with the biggest role. There's no way it's not Gerard Mayo running the defense. Like there's no way this is Steve. And then you look at it a few years later, obviously Gerard Mayo gets the promotion. Clearly it was Gerard Mayo. So it's, I don't know. It's one of those things where I like, it wouldn't really be that detrimental to us to keep them. It would just be very weird. So I think that, um, sorry, cut you off. I think, Keeping Steve really quick would be good, in my opinion, because Steve and Mayo are, like, really good friends. Obviously, yeah, they had a good quick. relationship. <laughs> and then nothing changes in that unit. And one thing, and I'll let you finish, and then, um, is that for Belichick's kids, right? Like, obviously, you'd presume that they would just go follow Bill to Dallas or to Atlanta. But if Bill's only got two years left, right, he's basically going for the record, and then he's going to be out. Then what does that say for his kids if, like, say he goes to Atlanta and then he's the coach for two years? He's bringing those his kids with him, and they go, like, nine and eight, eight and nine. Then what happens to the kids once he retires? They're not going to stay. Then what do they do? So I think that if they the crafts offer them to stay, Mayo wants them to stay, which honestly doesn't think – I don't think it's going to happen because of our interview that we have set out for the Panthers uh, linebackers coach. He was a former uh, BC – defensive coordinator and he's been the Niners and Bengals it doesn't seem like Steve is going to stay but I just don't see him leaving I wouldn't see why he would want to leave if you know just to follow Bill because he might not get another job as a like as much power I would say no I agree um I just think that for Steve I think that the idea might kind of still be because he's obviously been the more like prominent of the two I think the idea could probably be in his mind and like the goal of one day being a head coach in the NFL and if you're looking at it that way like obviously he just got passed up on for this job and probably the cleanest way to get that job would be if you follow Bill wherever he goes and it's you know maybe it's for two years three years if it goes really well and he's like the defensive coordinator and they're doing great. And then Bill's like, okay, I'm retiring. And, you know, I think that Steve should get promoted. Like he'd be my kind of pick. I've been like grooming him into this. That would be like the most realistic avenue where that happens for him. I don't think that. Sorry, I just lost you for a second. Yeah, I got a phone call. I cut out for a sec, but yeah, I, I don't think that's like a super realistic situation. What I just said, like them following Bill wherever he goes mm-hmm. and it goes well and leaves them getting a promotion. But that's the only way I could see either of them becoming an NFL head coach. So if that's actually their goal and like aspiration, which I feel like it could be, then that's why it would make sense to go with Bill. Yeah. You know, that definitely makes sense. I think uh, we definitely broke a record for damn sure for the, uh, our longest podcast that we've ever done. Yeah, I mean, this was a long one. It's going to be almost two hours, which is uh, nuts. But it was definitely good to, you know, catch up. We had a crazy week. I'm glad that we got the pod. Um, Definitely going to do it more for sure. And then, you know, hopefully that this team, you know, trends in the right direction. Yeah, hopefully uh, 
this is not something that we have to do again where we're talking about having our third overall pick and getting a new head coach and whatever else. Let's just hope it's smooth sailing from here on out. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, you know, maybe we'll be back after the draft to kind of break down these big decisions, but that's it for now. Tune in next time.